Welcome to episode three of Pastoring on Purpose, and uh, it's it's a this is a really special episode. I'm really been excited about this particular episode. When we actually started doing podcasts, I kept on envisioning having Priscilla Dobbins on with us, and uh, um, and so and today we have her. Jeff, welcome, man. Ah, it's good to be back, and uh, it's more exciting to have Priscilla with us. We've been talking about her, been talking about inviting her in, and. Talking about her husband's ministry. Yep. Okay, there's so much to unpack there. Uh, so uh, good to have you. Uh, it's great being here. I've been looking forward to this for six years. No, my husband passed away six years ago. When did you come to my you and Beth? Four home? years ago we met. You and I met four years ago okay. and, uh, in your town or yes. your former town. Yes. 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 Dr. Khan sent you um, to help me when I was in depression yeah. over losing Richard Dobbins, my husband, Dr. Richard Dobbins, who was a speaker, author, and had a mental health center in Akron, Ohio. One of the questions I want to ask first, though, is because, you know, many of you may not know this, but Priscilla Dobbins and, and Richard, I believe, lived in Florida. Yes. Uh, what part of Florida were Naples. you guys at? Lived in Naples. Naples, Florida. Uh -huh. And just, I think maybe it was a year ago. year and a half. A year and a half ago. ago okay. um, you left Naples, Florida to move to Cleveland, Tennessee, yes. which is... You know, like I said, most people will leave Cleveland to go to Naples. I'm trying Florida. to get to Naples. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. Absolutely. Eventually. Yes. You know, let me I'll go to Florida. I'll be praying for you because if God wants you to stay here, don't go to Naples. <laughs> well, not anytime soon. Yeah. Right. But what's a beautiful place? What brought yes, you to is. what? Why Cleveland? What brought you to, to to leave Naples, Florida, and move to Cleveland, Tennessee, specifically? Okay. When um, he died, mm -hmm. um, like I said, I was very depressed. Got down. And uh, some friends stepped in that Richard had helped and counseled and said, you know, Priscilla, if it weren't for you and Doc, Doc kept our marriage together, and you came into his life and helped when it was time for us to raise our children, God has asked us to step in and make sure that you're taken care of for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to live? And I'm going, I, I know I didn't want to stay in Florida. Um, traffic and hot I don't know I just it was time yeah. and so they kept questioning you know where, where are we gonna go where are you gonna go and one day when they asked me they called I said how about Cleveland Tennessee and when I did that I hung up and wow God was that you where did that come from <laughs> and the only reason I even knew about Cleveland Tennessee was because the Church of God and Lee University used to have Richard come in for seminars, talk with pastors, different things. And I remember, I think his name was John Vining is the name mm -hmm, I want mm -hmm. to yep. yeah. ring up there. Uh -huh. yeah. And um, so I thought, well, that's not... But when you guys know if you travel in the ministry, you, you can say, hey, I went to Europe or I went to Battleground, Indiana. You don't see the town. Yeah. You just go in, do the ministry, and leave. So I didn't know anything about Cleveland, Tennessee. And uh, I've never lived like this in my life, but I'm a country girl. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm loving it. And I just know it's really comforting and keeps the enemy out of your mind when you know God puts you somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Not, you don't backtrack on that. You know, like, I know I'm to be here. And what a wonderful story that is. You know, I like to think because, you know, I got to meet you before you had actually moved to Cleveland. So I really think yes. that the, the reason behind that is, is you met me and you just felt like, you know, yeah. you just had to move to Cleveland. Right. 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 That's it. Right. That's it. Right. 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 Right
because I do want to get into your husband, the legacy, yes, how you met, and and how did you meet your husband? And and Jeff, if you want to just kind of jump in there as far as his legacy a little bit, because when I think of Richard Dobbins, I think of you know someone who's really a pioneer, he is a someone pioneer. who paved the way, who was extremely ahead of his time. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Mm -hmm. How did you meet uh, Richard Dobbins, and, and we'll go from there. Okay, uh, as I said, I well, maybe I didn't state that I originally from Lafayette, Indiana. My dad taught at Purdue University for okay. forty some years or whatever. So don't hold that against me, you know. Don't worry. Uh, you, I'm okay. It's, it's big okay. Time. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, right, I'm with you on yeah, that one. Right. Yeah. Um, and I was married to an oral surgeon and he died of lung cancer. Mm -hmm. And the church I was going to, the pastor and his son, were on Richard's mental health board in Akron, Ohio. And um, so I guess he had been a widow about a year when they had um, the board meeting there mm -hmm. in Akron. My pastor and his son and his wife went to the, the meeting, the board meeting, and Richard was really hurting. It had been like maybe a year and a half, and he's, he just was struggling. And uh, here I was a widow working in the church in the drama department, mm -hmm. and uh, his wife said, you know, we, we've got to introduce Priscilla to Dr. Dobbins. He's not doing good. And her husband said, you can't do that. If I ruin Dr. Dobbins' life, my ministry's ruined. We can't <laughs> oh, interfere wow. in his wow. personal life. Yeah. But oh. God just intervened, and he ended up calling me one night, and... The rest is history. I, we got married uh, about a year later, and it was, it's been wonderful. But I didn't know anything about him except, to me, he was a preacher that used to come to our church, mm -hmm. and he was really good friends with Charles Hackett and his wife. That was my pastor. And um, let's see, how, how did that go then? So uh, they had him end up calling me. He called me on the telephone and said, Hi, my name's Dick Dobbins. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, was, it was like just instantaneously. It was wonderful. Wow. But I didn't know what he, quote, quote, did in life except, okay, he's just a preacher. Yeah. Um, and anyway, I found out by trial and error or whatever that we'd go to meetings. Oh, Dr. Dobbins here. Did you see that? And what? What's the deal with that? So it all became just a puzzle that was put together mm -hmm. of the wealth of information and stuff that he had for pastors. I mean, pastors were, were his uh, heart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Jeff, when I think about it, really it's through Priscilla Dobbins that you and I met. If you want to kind of, you know, go even back that far just three years ago, we're doing this podcast in large part because of, of you, quite frankly. And really, you know, talk a little bit about that, Jeff, and then let's kind of get into his legacy. What was it that was his heart, you know, for ministers? Obviously, had a, he, he, he was a counselor. Um, um, he wrote a lot of books, had a lot of seminars, did a lot of work, quite frankly. Really cared about the pastor yes. home, yes. the family. Um, the kids, the PKs, those kind of uh, things yeah. that we deal with here on a daily basis. Yes. And he really did pave the way for that. And right. it is a lot more accepting now as far as yes. counseling goes, yes. Christian counseling. Mm -hmm. uh, back then, probably not so much, especially when you start talking about 
um, you know, a husband and wife having sexual intimacy, some of the, the topics that we were able to kind of get into now, back then it was definitely a lot more taboo, I guess you could say. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Jeff, kind of just, I've just given you a lot there. And so... You did. So I'm trying to figure out where to which, start. Where with to that. start. How about this? How about this? I, 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 uh, I appreciate you asking me, but I really want Priscilla to tell us. So Priscilla, you talked about the puzzle. And at first you didn't, you know, you met this man and... A relationship began, and you, you you got a glimpse into some of his life, but until yes. you saw the full puzzle, you didn't know, as no. you said, it come together, you didn't know what, what, what was this guy? He seems like a celebrity. Uh, people know him. Why don't right. I know him? Probably is what you're uh, thinking. Yeah. Right. All right. Um, you started sharing that when, when I was asked to come down and meet with you in Naples, Florida, four years ago, back in 2016. Uh, you shared that with me, and I think that's best for people to really understand not only you, but Richard and his vision, okay. which was, my goodness, it, it, it's amazing. I, that that vision, I mean, now it's, as you begin to tell it, I, I want people to appreciate that he was having this vision and God was leading him in this direction 30 years ago, 40 years ago, yeah. before anyone was doing this type right. of work or, right. or thinking about ministering to pastors. Right. So if you don't mind, now I, I know you and I have had, had the privilege of having a number of conversations uh, but just in a few minutes, can you can you tell us and tell Tim and and the others okay. who are listening uh, a little bit about his heart, okay. about, about Richard's heart and what he was doing and what okay. God was calling him, what he did. Okay, I heard the story of his life many many times as we would travel, and he would talk about how he got started in salvation. He was um, fifteen or sixteen years old, mm -hmm. had a girlfriend, wasn't serving the Lord. And she went to the church where his mother went. And uh, she put his class ring in his lap and said, until you accept Christ, I'm not going to go with you anymore. Mm -hmm. And he said he went to the altar and God touched him immediately for his mouth, his habits, and everything. And he said, I've always looked back and wondered, did I go to the altar for galvation or salvation? <laughs> but he said, God took over my life that night. He dropped out of school and started preaching on the streets of Akron that you have to repent and turn your life to the Lord. And um, they eloped and got married, I think, like at 17. And um, they, she felt guilty for that and felt like she had committed the unpardonable sin and it caused her mental anguish mm -hmm. in their marriage and yeah. just and mm -hmm. that is they decided to start a church he in the beginning would just go out and preach mm -hmm. and um she would go with him some then eventually it became too much when they had a child two years later because he'd been out on the road for two years um it was too much for her to try to go with him, and they had a little boy. And uh, so he, uh, I want to get my thoughts not ahead of myself here. Um, he sat down with his wife, they prayed, and they decided, let's start a church. And they started a church in um, Akron, Ohio, called Evangel Temple, okay. and um, <clears throat> put an ad in the paper, and they met at somebody's house, and there were 14 people that showed up. And I think... I think it was then in 1976, because this has been in the 50s, um, he started Emerge Ministries. And when he left that church from 14 people, there were like 1,100, 1,500 people in that church, called in a 
preacher to take over his role there, and he started Emerge Ministry. The reason why he started Emerge Ministries was because when he had this church as a kid, hadn't even finished high school, mm. and he was, you know, pastoring, you know, from 14 to 1,500 people, um, and he realized, I, I don't know how to help these people that are hurting and that, you know, need help. So he went to a counselor at Akron University mm. and said, you know, I need help. And he said, I haven't graduated from high school. I'm too embarrassed to tell my board. I'm just, I just, I'm embarrassed. He had never heard of the GED test, took the GED test. And I think the counselor ended up calling him back. That's when the world was small <laughs> and said, hey, Reverend Dobbins, what are you going to do here? You know, this is, and he said, well, I was just afraid maybe I flunked it. I just didn't know. He said, you were in the upper two percentile of the mm. nation. Wow, wow. He said, you have got to do, you know, you've got to go to college. Yeah. So he started one course at a time. Long story short, he did a, I don't know, he did a bachelor's, a master's, and a PhD in the next seven years, eight years, or whatever, and they had three children with them. And with dealing with different things in the parsonage, and the pain of some that you guys, I don't know whether you're, are you all PKs? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there can be a lot of pain there, not mm-hmm. to mention between the husband and the wife. Sure. And uh, so that's where his passion and his love came in to help people. And it grew from just trying to help his own congregation. Wow. And wow. Um, it's, it's phenomenal, the, wow. the love that he has for pastors. And I think we all can say from the experience of our own lives, when we suffer from something, whether it's depression or a divorce, or what, you can help people once you've gone through that pain. Yeah. And uh, he turned his pain into some, you know, a triumph that he could really reach out and help people. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, that's a, uh, it's a phenomenal story. And I love how you were so open about when you were dealing with depression. Because um, we oftentimes, at least ministers do, feel like if we say that we struggle with depression or we're, we're not spiritual enough or people are going to judge us mm-hmm. or think, think negatively about it. But the reality is we're human beings. Yes. You know, we struggle just like everyone else. And, you know, your husband, uh, he recognized that yes. and um, was able to really apply himself, go to school, like you said, and really put that put that to work yes. because his heart, his heart, his, his legacy lives on. I've got books of, uh, of his that, uh, in my office that, that I use right now to this day, oh, that's good. you know, and, uh, it's, you know, like your feelings, friend or foe, this one right here is Excellent. phenomenal, Excellent. phenomenal, uh, changing your self concept, positive ways to deal with depression, anger, guilt, uh, fear. Um, these are emotions we all have. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't make us any less Christian. It makes us human. Right. Jeff, chime in there. I'm going to kind of toss it to you because I do want to kind of get into some of his work a little bit because, you know, a lot of people that are going to be watching or listening to this, they know who uh, your husband is. They're they're familiar with Richard Dobbins, but there might be some out there that's that's listening that, that, you know, may may have heard of him or may kind of know or, right. or never heard of him at all. Absolutely. I want them to be able to walk away with a good understanding of who this man is because I think in large part we're here today mm-hmm. doing what we're doing right now. Absolutely. Because of the, the work and the groundwork that he has really plowed before us. Yes. 
And I really do believe that. I do too. You know, I, I feel like he's, he would be very proud today. Absolutely. Of some of the things that's taking place. But I'm trying to think of how to frame this question, but Jeff, just kind of jump, jump in there for well, just a I mean, moment. Th again, there's so much there that we could, we could impact. And maybe maybe uh, Priscilla will join us for more than one conversation. But for uh -huh. right now, I think those who are listening to this podcast, I would think they would be interested right now. Okay, tell, tell me more about Emerge. All right, which which is a, the counseling ministry, right? That yeah. he, that he, he left his church, he felt center. like he should leave his church right. to to, yes. to take this on or to create this. But later on, I don't know if it was, was it earlier or later on where he barely began to focus on ministers. And it's not like he did it exclusively, but he you, you talked to me a lot about how a lot of his ministry was focused on ministers or ministering to the ministers. So if you don't mind, Almost tell us about that. Almost every week. All right, well, tell, tell us about that. Missionaries. Okay. He interviewed all the missionaries that went through the Assemblies of God before they ever went because they'd send them to the field. And as you know, it costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And then you send them and they're not emotionally stable enough or it's just too hard on them emotionally. And it, it crashes. It hurts them and it hurts the church. Yeah. So he, he had a real uh, heart to help these people in, in ministry to avoid that. You talked about how missionaries and how he was... Uh, evaluating them. Right. I know that sounds like a strong word, but he was. He was trying to, oh, yeah, to see their fit yes. before yeah. they right. went out on the field, which yes. is really seems interesting because ultimately we think, well, now hold it, God's called them, so they just got to just, go out to the go. field. Just go. Right. Have at it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But what we hear here is a minister saying, well, yeah, as a minister, we should follow our calling. That's what you're to do. Follow God's call on your life. But also, let's let's look at where we are and evaluate where we are at that moment uh, psychologically and emotionally. Right. Are we prepared for right. it? Right. And so he was using these skills that God helped him to get trained to to to, to uh, uh, develop. Yes. And, and using that to help equip these ministers. So tell yes. us a little bit more about how, how he helped ministers and uh, missionaries. And as you're talking, I can think of different things. Oh yeah, that's how that came to fruition. This is how that was born in his life was that the uh, missionaries might go to the mission field because they had a call from God, mm -hmm. and it was running. They needed to hide. Their, mm -hmm. ma their marriage wasn't good. Or somebody had an affair, they didn't want it to come out in the open, so they would take the call of God to hide under. We're all human. I mean, it doesn't mean they're horrible. And um, that came to be where they would literally come to emerge and get healed by the grace of God, before they tried to say that this was the call of God. Yeah. And he, uh, he really helped missionaries and ministers. And it's, it was eye-opening to me and helped me with my own Christian walk. Mm -hmm. Because we have a tendency to put leaders in our church, uh, whether they're, uh, now I don't know the overseers and superintendents or whatever the name we put on our leaders, sure, sure. They, are, they are the ultimate. They are, you know, they don't sin. Yeah. They never make a mistake. Yeah, we put them on a pedestal, on a pedestal don't we? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And that's too bad because they need our prayer. Absolutely. They need us to realize that they are human. Yeah. And, but because of our humanness, sometimes we have a tendency to put on the front that we don't need help, we got this covered, we are okay. And so I think a lot of times as parishioners, we need to realize the burden that a pastor is carrying, yeah. and we need to evaluate ourselves. I know I'm supposed to be speaking to the preachers now, but uh, 
if people that aren't in the ministry and hear this, you need to evaluate yourself yeah. and say, am I difficult to pastor or am I easy to pastor? I mean, we need to protect and help. And, and what can I do to help? Like yes. you said, I mean, yes. I'm part of that ministry as well. That I'm glad you put that in there and talked about that aspect of it because we may have parishioners, laity, Christians, the church, mm -hmm. uh, people outside of just being pastors listening to this. Mm -hmm. And they can play a part into this as well. And Good. you're right. Our, our leaders, our pastors, denominational leadership, whatever the case may be, they need our prayers. Yes. Yes. Uh, under a lot of pressure. Right. And you, you kind of kind of alluded to it a little bit. You talked about the, the kind of the mask, you know. Mm -hmm. It's a very popular subject right now because of COVID. Right. But in Christianity, especially among leadership and among pastors today, we we become accustomed to, to wearing a mask. Absolutely. I was just going to say absolutely. We 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 do. And I um uh, let's say from traveling around the world, I don't want to try to put it in a certain location, but I lived seeing the mask come off. Yeah. That was shocking, but helped my salvation. Mm. Now, okay. does that make sense? We, are, we have all sinned yeah. and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah. Not, oh, you know, they really sinned because they were the leader they no mm -mm. it's not any different than what you sinned yesterday doing or whatever he doesn't put a b c and d on sins right he right. forgives us and we are covered by the blood i mean he is just uh, as we're saying some of this i do want to say something that he used to teach a lot that really helped me as we're all sitting here and talking about different things he used to preach illustrate I think maybe he was more of an illustrator sometimes, more than a preacher. Mm -hmm. But as I introduce some of the tapes to him and you get to listen, he will birth in you. I mean, it, it touches your spirit. Yeah. But he, something that I always thought was really important, he talked about every thought we have, everything that goes through our brain is an urge, a fantasy, and an idea. They mm -hmm. all are birthed from one of those. And... Uh, Wait, you know, I have the sin and eternal life that he... So when you are trying to decide, you know, that's, that's a fantasy. You know, I've always wanted to do this and do that, or mm -hmm. that's an idea. I think we need to get these tapes, or I think we need to do this. Uh, that's uh, an idea. Yeah. Um, or we might just say, you know what, I think I have this urge. I think we just need to do this or do that. Mm -hmm. Now, all of those are impacted on our... Um, mind our mind is the software our brain is the computer right and this is his definition of sin which is wonderful you want to read this or do you want me to read it go for okay. it Good. absolutely okay sin as an invisible power that emanates from satan it impacts on the mind to stimulate the brain to think in terms of urges fantasies and ideas which distract from and destroy one's divine potential. Mm -hmm. That's backed up by Scripture. Uh, we were blameless in our ways from the days that we were created until wickedness and sin came into our heart. Wow. And that's his wow. definition for sin. So I good. should get you one of these and have you put them on your Please offices. Do. Please and do. then the definition of eternal life. Eternal life is an invisible power emanating from Christ to which the unregenerate are 
insensitive. I just want to put a footnote in there. That means that you do have uh, a, a little bit more talent. Is that what I want to say? Mm -hmm. God gives you more initiative than your counterparts that aren't Christians. Yeah. Because of mm -hmm. it disseminating from Christ. It impacts on the mind of the regenerated to stimulate the brain to think in terms of urges, fantasies, and ideas, which enhance and develop one's divine potential. Wow. So, I mean, just in that, and the Bible verse for that, every one of these that he did um, have a Bible verse on it. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Mm. And um, it, it just, that's helped me a lot, yeah. because if I miss a day of prayer, reading the Bible, which I do, which I'm constantly trying not to let something else come in Sure, yeah. in front of it. Um, I make better decisions. Mm -hmm. I make better choices on my urges. Yeah. And I get more accomplished in one day. Yeah. And when I realize that, well, I'm never going to miss that again. Well, I did. And I think it's also important that when we know ministers well, especially the wives mm -hmm. or maybe church members, and you know they don't have a private devotional life like they should have or whatever. The worst thing that a minister's wife can do, you know, yeah, how am I going to believe you? You know, you, you know, I know you haven't been praying every day. We need to encourage. Yes. We need to say, boy, that sermon was really good. It really blessed me. Yeah. Not as people that go to our church. I mean, if anybody that is just a church attendee and hear this, you need to encourage your pastor. Yeah. And as a minister's wife, how long has it been since you've said, that was great. Absolutely. That really blessed my heart. Mm. Because a minister usually doesn't care what the, the people are going to forget what he said within an hour anyway. Sure. But they love to know that their wife loves them and approves of them. Absolutely. And we're seeing now, today, a lot of your female pastors, a lot of your pastors are now female. The roles are reversed. Yes. You're the husband. Encourage her. Mm -hmm. yes. Lift her up. You know, mm -hmm. you guys are a team. And um, I think that's so important. And you know, I didn't know he was going to get into the S word. You, you <laughs> talked about the S word. Yes. Sin. Yes. Wow. Yes. Is, that a, is, that, is that allowed? I don't think it's going to be bleeped <laughs> yes. out whenever I say that no. word. But it, it is important to understand, you know, and I said this, you know, I've been here now a decade, uh, Priscilla, and one thing I've noticed is that, that ministers have a certain, you know, DNA to them. They have a certain type of way of thinking, I guess you could say. This, a lot of them are very perfectionist, has to be done a certain way, a little That's OCD, sad. a lot of anxiety. Uh, we, we see that more and more and more. Yes. And giving yourself enough grace... Okay, to allow to allow yourself to to offer that same grace that you would offer to everyone else. Absolutely. Allow yourself to kind of feel that as well. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you talk about the S word, okay, the the, the beautiful thing about the creation and be the, the, you know being in uh, being a Christian, I should say, is we are a new 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 creation. Absolutely. Um, old things are, are now behind us. All, all things have become made new. I once right. was lost, but right. now I'm found. I was right. blind, but now I see. Amen. There was that yeah. transformation. So we believe in reconciliation. Mm -hmm. We believe in uh, mending what is broken. Amen. Yes. Um, we believe in, in that we can change. We don't have to live the way that we've lived Absolutely. in the past. Absolutely. 
and we can rejoice in that. Yes. And, and I, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I could preach all day, but, uh, but I <laughs> no, think it's I like phenomenal. That, yeah. I think it's phenomenal. I yeah. think it kind of, you know, I just your husband's heart, Richard Dobbins' heart was, was ministers. And, and, and going back to a time whenever he really came on the scene, what year was it whenever he started really? It would have been in the 50s because I remember when we were flying all over the world. I mean, he'd go to it. We'd end up in an airport. Man, I remember when this had one terminal. I remember when this airport, you know, just had a couple of, you know, lanes, uh, planes coming in. We didn't yeah. have, we walked out on the tarmac to get on the airplane and everything. He just blew my mind at different times, you know, how long he had been doing this. I mean, he had a heart. He was not going to, I'll, I'll tell you, because of him talking to pastors, missionaries, and people in his church, mm-hmm. um, I think that's in the front of the book, Breaking the Signs of Your Bedroom. Okay. But he, t- that's, he, came, he shocked me a couple of times when we had been seminars. Here he had went to Masters and Johnson's, which was an old-time uh, sex therapy yeah, school. Yeah, I don't research they were back in the 50s. Right, yeah. yeah. Because he wanted to know how he could help and how he could train. And my, very early on, I can remember sitting in the church. We still remember the church, and my mother was with me visiting, and he said something about sex. And... Mm. You know, I was shocked, you know, just, okay, well, that's good. Hey, you know, we all live with it, but don't mention it type thing. Right. Yep. And um, it's, well, he passed out three by five cards when he had finished speaking every time. He said, if you have any questions, he said, write it on a three by five card. Mm-hmm. And he, he got a card and he was reading it. He goes, now, I don't know how I'm supposed to interpret this, but it says, we've come a long way when we can't talk about S dash blank and S dance X, S blank X. And he said, now I've got to figure this out. Is she saying sex is a sin or sin is a sex or she doesn't, if she just combines the two of them, it's all together. (laughs) And that's the, that's, that's fatal. Yeah. It's fatal in ministry and it's fatal for a pastor and his wife to have that feeling. Mm -hmm. And in that book, he demonstrates with a note to his readers how that's where they struggle the most is remaining holy, yeah. but yet interjoying sexual relations that God blessed us all with right. to express ourselves to one another in marriage. Yeah, yeah. So it's... And you think about that, that was in the 50s, right? And then, of course, you got into the counseling. I'm just trying to paint the picture of, of how much ahead of his time he really was. Yes. You know, because... I, I can't help but think if, if we would have caught on to that earlier, if we would have yes. given a, attention to it when we should have, perhaps, right. that maybe we're not struggling with some of the issues that we have now. So true. It's not going to be as big. It's not going to be as large in, in regards to what we're dealing with. And because sex is a wonderful thing that God has given to us. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. but, you know, Richard Dobbins didn't say, just don't do it. Oh, no. He right. said, let's, let's, let's dive in here and right. figure out what's going on. Right. Let's try to find ways for the husband and the wife to draw closer to one another. And he was not afraid to talk about the tough issues, right. the tough right. subjects, right. that we try so hard to just kind of, eh, we know it's there, but let's not discuss it. Absolutely. But I'll yeah. tell you what, society, they're not ignoring it. Oh, no. It was all over the TV, not even in good terms. Right. Before he could even bring it out into the church. I mean, children were getting hooked on pornography and stuff. Yep. 
because the parents didn't know how they were interfering in the computer field of the children. Absolutely. Doing Absolutely. research on, I remember some kids in Twinsburg, Ohio, that um, he happened to Google something to research, and a porn site came up. Mm. And they interviewed him, and he was in the news that he said, it's ruined my life. Yeah. I've changed. I'll never be the same. I'll never get that picture out of my mind. Yeah. And we don't realize as parents what we do when we say, here's your computer, shut the door, I'm going to fix dinner, I'm going to work. Yeah. It's very dangerous. You think about today, you know, my kids have cell phones. Uh -huh. I've got a 12-year-old, she's got her own phone. I've, my 15-year-old, it really is so easily accessible now. Right. Um, we have to be intentional with how we approach this. We need to have discussions with Absolutely. our kids. And pastor... Um, pastoral couple, you're not exempt. Right. You know, um, you can fall into, I don't know how else to put it, if it's, it's going to sound like a country song if I say you're going to fall into, you know, whatever, love or whatever the case may be, but um, temptation is there for all of us. Oh, yes. You right. know, Jesus was tempted. Mm -hmm. and, and so we have to be intentional about how we approach things. The Bible talks about guarding your heart. Yes. You know, Miss Dobbins, I like how you, you put it in there about taking captive of your thought. I think Paul even mentioned, take captive of every thought. Yes. Uh, because what goes here initially is going to go right here. Yes. And um, when, you, when you talk about, you know, now we, we understand the need for it. We understand the need to discuss about being healthy in our sex, sex life. Absolutely. Uh, having healthy boundaries. Uh, making sure that we're, uh, what we're doing is above reproach and, and those kind of things. But I don't know if it was really that important or in the conscious back in the 50s or 60s. He wasn't allowed to talk about it. Yeah. Not back in then. But he, when he talked with people, he would counsel them sure. behind closed doors about it. And, uh, but it, it was, uh, I wouldn't know what year that he was able to, because I remember sometimes he would mention something and then he'd say, well, Pastor, I said it. You can clean it up next week. I'm going home. You know, yeah. and, but he, he preached it and told the truth. Um, but um, it, he really got some major healing points across in the mm. ministry on places that he had gone. I mean, it was wonderful to watch the people change. Yeah. That yeah. hated each other and wanted to divorce and blah, 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 and how God would heal them. Sure. Or a minister that would come and had, had a moral failure. Yeah. Or the wife. I mean, it, it goes both ways. Yeah. And to see how God healed them and brought them back together. That's incredible. And yeah. our house that we had was set up so that we could have couples in. Sometimes one would have to be in one guest bedroom and then the other one would have to be in the other because they weren't even speaking. Yeah. And God used those times where people didn't want anybody to know they were, you mean you really have problems? They mm. didn't want anybody to know that they were going to a counselor and getting help. That might not be true nowadays. This was... He's been gone six years now, so that might all be out in the open now. Mm -hmm. But it used to be, he called it his Nicodemus door. Nicodemus yeah. came to Jesus at night, and he mm -hmm. said, okay, put a Nicodemus door here in this in the I like that. ministry. So, I never heard it said that way. I like mm -hmm. that. You know, and that, you know, that's a lot of what we do here as well. I mean, it's, you know, it's confidential. Um, pastors are, you know, if you're a licensed minister, you, you have the ability to call us and, and get counseling at no charge and it'd be confidential. Absolutely. Because we believe in you. We, we understand the stress, the anxiety that you're under is so heavy. And I just, Richard Dobbins would be so happy 
I yes. think. Uh, I think what he would like the most about this ministry here and, uh, and what you guys are doing here is the fact that it is not a center for failures. And, right. I, and I think too often we think, well, I've tried everything I can. I've prayed all I can, and I failed. So I do need to slip in the back door and mm-hmm. go get some help. And that's not what this is, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. I, I like how he brought things, in his work, he brought things out in the open that he saw people struggling with day after day, mm-hmm. whether they're ministers or laity, and he brought it out in the open so that we could all talk about it because he's basically saying we all have to deal with this stuff. Right. Yep. So it's not just it's not unique to these people who, who are weak and they oh, couldn't yeah, handle it and they no. have to have special help. Right. He's basically saying, no, th- we're all dealing with this. We're all dealing with temptation. We're all right. dealing with we make mistakes, yes. right? Yes. We struggle with temptation and we need help. Uh, also, not just temptation. We're dealing with the stresses of life and we Absolutely. need assistance, all right? Yep. And I think mm-hmm. that, that's wonderful about what you guys do. I think I love this ministry here. Mm-hmm. But speaking of that, if he were here, right, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If he were here <laughs> now, and, and, and what do, could you identify maybe three, four, or even five things that he would say, this is what ministers, their needs at this point? What, 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 are the, what would he say ministers need? The first thing that comes to my mind right now, if there is a pastor watching that is miserable, and the only reason that uh, he can't come forward is because he doesn't have any other kind of job he can do. So I'm just stuck with her. Or I'm just stuck with this because he needs help mm-hmm. and he needs not to turn to board members and people in the church to confide in because they're best friends. Right. You need to make sure that you go to somebody that you can professionally trust. Absolutely. Or you can get yourself dug into a deeper hole. That would be my first thought that... Um, they they don't need to stay. The other thing I want I guess how I want to put it too is that if they are miserable, I just listened to one of his tapes that I'm going to make available to you guys, which um, and it's power in the parsonage. And the one thing that if you're struggling with whether you're the enemy's going to attack you on what your weakest point is. You know, like, I'm worried about our finances. I'm worried about this in church. I'm worried about that. But he will cause you to focus in on different things, take your joy away from you that Mm -hmm. the Lord has for you, and eventually it will affect the power that you have in the pulpit because it will end up destroying power in the parsonage. That's good. you got to keep... The, you got to keep your foundation, marriage, home, and into the pulpit. That's good. It'll, it'll backfire. But don't just, I've seen so many things where they go and tell somebody else. Mm-hmm. And it causes a fire that is a negative fire throughout the congregation. Yeah. So, so he would say, you're going to recognize that you are struggling all right, either emotionally, spiritually, or maybe in all emotionally, uh, spiritually, psychologically, or in your relationships. And our natural tendency would be to turn and confide in someone like a board member yes, or yes. somebody on staff. Yes. And you're saying he said no. When you identify that, go get help outside of those relationships. Go to a professional counselor, yeah. a yeah. Christian yeah. professional yeah. counselor, because a lot of times your secular counselors, so you so you messed up yeah you know so you went to bed just forget it yeah god will forgive you and move on yeah 
No, you can't cover up something like that in your own heart. Your sins will find you out. I mean, right. he tells us that. And um, so I think it's just really important that we're, the first thing I think we need to do is be honest with ourselves. Wow, that's, that's true. That's the hardest thing to do. And I remember when I was in some of my darkest times, he has a book that there are some uh, different districts in another church that gives this book out and he wrote 30 uh communion services mm -hmm. and uh it's powerful and i didn't i wasn't going to church i mean i was just dark i just wanted to stay in bed i faked it i didn't want anybody to know i was hurting and i would read those communion books or that communion ser sermon have some grape juice and i'm going to have my own communion i would follow his sermon and I would have communion at the end of the sermon. And I remember one thing he said that still gets me, and that is, I have it on the back of my devotional here too, uh, and that is, when you open your heart to God before the Lord, go to the depths of self-truths wow. that you do not even like to go to yourself. Wow. Because none of us like to to say, boy, I'm really bad in this area or that area. But once we do, um, the doors open. Yep. And one of his Pritchard prints that eventually we'll talk about, he would say bits of nugget gold information. And I'd write them down after I'd hear him say them over and over. And I put them into what's called a little Pritchard print. And the one that I'm referring to right now with this is, Satan builds his strongholds in the secrets of our lives. Mm -hmm. And he enforces them by our silence. Mm. Once we break the silence, we break the stronghold. Yep. Bible verse, confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. Amen. That's good. And so those are some of the things that I could, he would say right off the bat that pastors need to be honest with themselves and go to somebody they know they can trust. Yep. And any minister that has stepped off bounce and thinks, well, they'll never tell. That, no. And I, I'm a woman, I don't, but women love to tell. That's just part of it. And if it just goes uncovered, then they like, well, I want you to know something about him. You know? Mm -hmm. So they need, to, they need to go get help and say, I failed. And he has all kinds of materials on how to help a pastor restored wow it's phenomenal okay uh, can i uh, okay. go ahead i got a couple of thoughts but go ahead well do you want to go ahead no you go first all right all right okay. <laughs> so you were introduced to this ministry you were an adult all right yeah. so this was this was not uh, 46 years old 46 yeah. years old and introduced to his, this whole world of, uh, of Dr. Dobbins and his ministry and helping others and going along with them and getting the privilege of going with him in his ministry. And you got to see it firsthand and in his counseling sessions, you've been, you've been yeah, in those and helped him with those, et cetera. And he died suddenly. Yeah. Well, he, he, he had an yeah. illness, but, but yeah, I mean. He, he died at 88. I mean, I knew his heart was weak, but yeah, you're never ready. No, you're never yeah. ready. Right. And then suddenly you find yourself, okay, he has died. His ministry's left here for me, 
or just left, right. all right, and you feel this call to, to continue that legacy, but what do you do? Mm -hmm. Probably feeling that, God, I'm not, I'm not equipped. Not Absolutely. only that, I'm not Absolutely. equipped. Do I, not I feel equipped, I'm also grieving the loss right. of my right. husband. I right. love this man. Yeah. And then you, I, I know you well enough, I'm going to go ahead and step out there because you kind That's of alluded okay. to it earlier. You, you went through your own time of just depression and sadness. Yes. Dark. Yes. Yes. I explained that. In Do you my want to talk about just briefly a yeah. little bit about your own experience? Is that okay? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah well, yes. I am. Um, you know, I don't know whether I should try to explain it all or whether I should just read it where I have my words, what I want to say, organized and just come out. Go ahead, I, just go ahead and say it. Yeah. Okay. Um, when he died, I don't remember much the first year um, just because of. I remember when he died, them coming in. And, of course, when you have the automatically thing, did you kill him? I mean, that's mm -hmm. just life. They didn't yeah. ask me that. But, uh, a, but a, a, some kind of sergeant in a police uniform or something came in, and then the ambulance or whatever came in. And, I mean, I'm running back and forth, you know, because I'm mourning losing him. And what's his Social Security number? What's your Social Security number? How long has he been dead? What did you do? That? I mean, I mean, the questions are flying at me, and I'm, wait a minute, I have to go back and hold him again. I have to, you know. Mm -hmm. And finally, that policeman felt something. I don't know what, but he, I remember him turning to the ambulance people and saying, enough. Mm -hmm. Don't ask her any more questions. And so then I just went over and, you know, sat on the bed and, you know, whatever, because he died in his sleep. And the policeman stayed around, and he said, I need you to call his doctor. And so I said, okay, fine, yeah, I'll call him. And I, I, we'd just been out to dinner with him on Saturday night before he passed away. So I called him. I called his house and got his wife. He said, she said, I think he's getting ready to go into surgery. Let me call him right now. Well, within five minutes, my phone rang. And you, I didn't know it, but... You could hear the doctor on the, the policeman could hear the doctor on the telephone. And I'm saying, you know, he died, he, you know. And he said, um, I'm so sorry to hear that, Priscilla. And he was so good Saturday night, you know. Uh, but we knew his heart was just going to stop sometime. And his heart stopped. Well, that's all the policeman needed to hear. And uh, when I hung up, he said, who was this man anyway? Hmm that even his doctor knew him and talked nice about him. Who And, you know, that hit impact me. Me, what I do, I ran in the garage and got one of these books for all your feelings, friend, and said, here, this is who he is, yeah. you know. Um, but I started, people came in from about an hour and a half away to console me for a while, and I don't remember much. They said I just was sort of dazed. Uh, but somebody flew in from California, and set, helped me set up the funeral in Florida. And um, I don't, rem like I said, I don't remember much of the, the funeral at all, but I just remember they just walked me wherever I was to go, whatever mm -hmm. I was to be or whatever. And then I had a home to get rid of in Akron, mm -hmm. had all his materials. Everybody throughout the United States and different countries were calling um, I still get calls from Romania. We had friends that, uh, you know, all the time just still checking in. But uh, so when the funerals are, I just wanted to hide. I didn't want anybody to see me. I didn't, it was horrible. 
And but yet I knew Christ was in me. Mm-hmm. But I had the umbrella between me and him or something. I mean, it was just I was dead. Yeah. And so um, I had journaled prayers since I was 16. We moved to India. My, my this is way I've been high school. I would pray, you know, God, don't let me die, you know, whatever. So I got to journaling prayers when he died. And when I got to my darkest point was probably a year or two. I'd gotten rid of the house in Akron and I was just um, really hurting. And I remember sitting down, and I had not journaled a prayer for maybe two weeks. And I'm going to shock you guys. I can really be defiant, (laughs) you know. And I can remember getting my journal out and a pen and saying, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to write you now, and I'm going to hear from you. Mm. You, Just like a defiant little kid I was, you know. I I can't live without prayers to you. Mm. And I sat down, and I just started writing. Eventually, I don't know how long I sat there, when I finished that prayer and I wrote it back, it was God talking to me. Wow. And that's the beginning of my devotional. That were uh, messages each day mm-hmm. from him that would, he had put, uh, I like music, I love hymns, and he would, when spontaneously, he would give me hymns in the day. I could be at the grocery store. I could be the first one he ever gave me. It was about two years after Richard had died. And it is, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And it, it impacted me. It, it like, oh, wow, that's truth. Yeah. That's not just a hymn. So... Every devotional that he would give me, I got to the place where I was typing them out. Then I thought, well, why don't I just put them in a calendar so I'll have them and I can go back and look at each day. That was the birth of listening to God devotional. Wow. I have them for every day for 365 days. Wow. And um, so I remember one night in the middle of the night, I was probably even fourth way through the devotion, and I don't know how long I'd been working on it. And... I can remember um, sitting there. I learned early on, well, you know, I'm not doing anything this afternoon. I think I'll go in and I'm going to work on my devotional. Couldn't happen. It didn't mm. happen. It had to be when, I don't know, yeah. something yeah. lined up. That uh, Well, this was in the middle of the night, and I can, uh, I don't even, where I, in the year, I don't know where I was when I was writing it out, and I heard, I didn't have to turn around, I heard Richard laughed behind me. He said, I knew you could do this, but you Mm. wouldn't listen to me. And that inspired me. And then I think shortly after that, because I I never did, so to speak, get counseling, Mm -hmm. because I was too embarrassed. I remember that I felt like, and I explained this in here, I felt like that I had been on walking, living through life, You know how on the streets you have these grids? Mm -hmm. And it had opened up, and I had fallen in. And the the vision that he gave me, the thought, I'm not saying you're godly, but the thought that came was I was in the bottom of the ocean. I was in the ocean bed of life. And I couldn't see anything blurry. Just It was dark. And when I began to come out of my depression which I didn't even know what depression was. Mm. I can remember seeing the light, like if you've been swimming in deep water and you come mm-hmm. out, you can see. Mm-hmm. 
that came right into my head that uh, I'm, I'm going to make it out of this. He's going to bring me out of this. Yeah. And so that's how I learned what depression was because hundreds of people would come to emerge or to our house with horrible depression and I can't get up and I've thought about killing myself and I'm gonna, I can remember walking into his office and going, can I get you some drink? Yeah. Would you like a Coke? And I'm, when I went through this, I think, what do those people think? I mm-hmm. had no idea what depression was. I mean, I was just, you know, oh, they're depressed. I'll get over it. It's serious. I mean, it is something yeah. that um, people need to reflect on and know and not be ashamed. Wow. That, there's nothing else I can say to that. That's mm-hmm. phenomenal. I mean, that, you know, hearing that perspective of, of you going through that and, and the grieving uh, process that you had to really go through uh, is powerful. There's nothing I can add to that, Jeff. No, and no, nor should you. I think it's a beautiful story, and it's a yeah. beautiful product here. This 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 book that she's written, um, yes. this devotional book, and it's on Church of God website. It is. Okay. It is. Yeah. So it's called yeah. Listening to God, and um, it's just little messages that give you a song and encouragement because there's a hymn after each little devotional that he gave me, and then there are. Three Bible verses on each one of them that connect yeah. all of all of it together. And if you don't mind, I would do want to do something because I've Go been struggling it. really, really bad with it. our world. I don't worry about dying. Mm-hmm. I haven't been. I'm i a week over it now. But before the election, I was struggling really, really bad. You know, just who won, who didn't, who whatever, Lord, I know you have it, but I couldn't make myself live it. Yeah. And so I was, um, didn't sleep all night one night, and the more uh, I would watch something on the news, so no matter what channel, it doesn't make a difference, negative and dark. Mm-hmm. Negativity is the devil, yeah. no matter who says it. And positivity is what God gives us. Yes. Yeah. It's all positivity he gives. Now, I had not, I've done this for, you know, a couple of years now. So I don't do this every day. So I had a couple of devotions out. Some ladies had ordered them for Christmas. And um, I thought, well, let me just see what today says. And I hadn't slept well that night. And this, is, this was November 11th. Turn your eyes on me. If you allow yourself to focus on the matter matters of the world and what is going on around you hope dwindles but with your eyes on me hope elevates the battle of knowing what is going to save the world with this plan or the or that plan can be overwhelming remember i am the great i am my plan is eternal life not like the plan of this world that is temporal i have won the battle for you to be free of all your worries in me Jesus died for you and has provided for you the perfect plan for your life. Do not take your eyes off of me. Relax, knowing I will take care of you. Focus on me with my word and with your prayers. Trust me, all is well. Nothing in this world is catching me off guard. I have control of this world and all its many pieces, and you are one of those precious pieces. Mm. Again, I say, keep your eyes on me. The hymn is keep your eyes on, turn your eyes yeah, upon Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. And then the Bible verses are, you know, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and then for God so love the world. 
and eternal life means to know it's but the bible bible verses all blend all this together wow so this is a hard time for all of us especially pastors yeah many times when i have seen pastors locally that are hurting or struggling um i've i've thought about um how the enemy is using this dark time to um, turn our focus away. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they're being sinful. It's not that, but he's got it. Yeah. He's in control. Absolutely. If you lose half your congregation, I mean, I don't know, I'm prophesying here to anybody, but if you, the finances yeah. go down or whatever it's doing, I got your back, God says. Yeah. I didn't call you into this. To let you go flat. Trust me. Reach out to me. I got you covered. That's good. That's good. And it's tough. You know that's that's uh, that's such a, a needed word today. You know, and the, that hymn that you you know turn your eyes upon Jesus. I think that's a mm-hmm. perfect for our time. That's what mm-hmm. we do need to do. And mm-hmm. it's easy to have faith when things are going great. It's having faith in those moments of, of kind of uh, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. It's tough. And so. What a wonderful, wonderful testimony. Uh, I know you said call you Priscilla. I still feel oh, yeah. like I need to call you Miss no. Dobbins. But Priscilla, thank no, you so Priscilla. much, so much for being with us. You know, you said so many things. We're going to have to have her back, by the way. Of course. Uh, yes. We're going to have to have you back because there's so many things I'd love to dive into because you talked about so many things i just love to unpack. You know, uh, okay. being honest with yourself. It's so hard to do. It's so easy to deceive ourselves yes. sometimes, you know. Um, when I walk out the door, I think I think I look like Chris Pratt, and people tell me I don't. I don't. I don't understand it. <laughs> My wife says you got to no. know. So I, I don't know. Um, but uh, but nonetheless, being open, being honest with ourselves, uh, and and don't be afraid. I think one thing I get out of this too is don't be afraid to ask for help. No. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. We need each other. We were built for community. We were built for one another. I think right. that's one th- reason why social isolation so. Social distancing, I should say, is so difficult. It's tough because we were meant for community. Mm -hmm. And the fact is we can't do this by ourselves. Mm -hmm. We just can't. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's not. Oh, no, it's not impossible. Anything's possible with God. It's harder. It's more difficult for a man to say, you know what? I can't do this. I need help. But the minute you do that, that's when that that secret of your life is exposed and it opens the door to let God in to say, Hey, I got you. Let me help you. Absolutely. And then we have a beautiful thing take place called healing. And yes. I love that. Yes. I love that. Yes. Jeff, you want to add anything to this? I don't think there's anything to add. I just, uh, I, except for thank you, uh, you. Priscilla. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you are carrying on the legacy of his ministry, and it to. continues thank on. You. Not want to, you are. I'm telling okay, you, all right? You. Okay. I had the privilege, you showed me the warehouse, that, and a huge two-story warehouse that housed all of his materials, tapes, recordings, sermons, books, etc. And I remember you turning to me and saying, well, how are we going to get this uh, out yes. there? Uh, how, do, how are we going to get this to, 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 to pastors? Because you said consistently, pastors need these materials, yes. all right? This is good material. And I agree with you. 
but I felt like you. I felt overwhelmed. How in the world do yes. we do this? And that's that's a, actually what happened is I turned to the to, to, to the people yeah. I knew, the Church of God, mm -hmm. and not real well. Just like I'm being a, being a, a child of, uh, of a minister in the Church of God, I turned to the Church, church of God, thinking you guys need this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's where this started. And we can talk about that some other time, maybe sure. in another podcast or whatever. And I think we've Kat may have even alluded to it in another or previous podcast. But but th that that you wanted in your heart four years ago, and you reached out, which it did take you doing that, down mm -hmm. in Naples. You could have quietly sat down there, lived out the rest of your life, yeah. and that'd be it. But you felt like, I'm supposed to do something with this. And you took that step that we're talking about that's so hard for so many of us. And you were depressed then, or sad, oh, really sad at that point. really bad. But you yeah. reached out and said, I need someone to come down here and talk to me about this ministry, look at this ministry. And, and and God answered that. We, but it was your willingness to step out there. But did we, did we say how you got to be there? I don't know that we did. No, go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Pat, what's her last name? Uh, Pat Carroll. Yeah, Pat Carroll is a friend of mine. I knew her, you know, Richard and I knew her. She was on the board of she was uh, on the Italy, board Italy University. At the, at the university. And uh, I had gone to dinner with her and said, I'm bad, whatever I said, you know, depressed. And she talked to Dr. Kahn, okay. who knew Richard, and he got in contact with Jeff. And um, I talked with him on the telephone once or twice, and he, um, he you know, let's do what we can, see what we can do to help. And that's how Jeff and Beth ended up coming there. And it was a year afterwards or what? I mean, before, I mean it's, the Lord is just... His yeah. timing's perfect. His plans are so much above our plans, but he always makes it work out. Mm -hmm. There's one final thing that I want to make sure I say to any pastor that might be listening, and it's done so much for me in my life to keep reminding myself of this. Now, let's see where I have it. And that is his Pritchard print on forgiveness. And it is, forgiveness is the racer of life that helps put all of our mistakes behind us. God offers us any time, any place, forgiveness. Mm. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and forgive us from all unrighteousness. Wow. And wow. that is Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Thank you so much, uh, Priscilla, for being with us today. We are going to have you back, by the way. Okay. Um, that's it. We're, I want to, let's pray. Um, so if you don't mind, would you say a prayer for us? And okay. for all of our pastors listening, um, I hope that you enjoyed this episode today. I so. don't feel like a, a big, big prayer warrior, but the first thing that came to my mind, and I'm going to make light, and this is very serious, but yeah. I can remember the first time that the District of Ohio, well, since you're married to Dr. Dobbins, why don't you pray for us? Mm -hmm. I told you what I did, yeah. just being earnest. I said, okay, now, honey, is this where I go like this, or do I skip that part? <laughs> <laughs> we, we're not looking for any long, elaborate prayers. It's yeah, okay. Right. So, okay. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Dear Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity of being able to come before you right now, Lord. You were here before I ever opened my mouth yes, to Lord. ask for your help and to ask for you to be here with us, Lord. I pray that you will take what has been said today and open ears that are to hear what has been said. And I just pray that you will anoint it in the areas that people that need it, their hearts will be touched. And it'll be a turning point in their life where they can look back and say, I remember that time when I heard this being said or that be being said. And Lord, you can use any of these words to touch them, heal them, and help them. We love you so much, Jesus. 
Thank you. Amen. Amen. With Priscilla Dobbins, Jeff Sargent, Tim Manis, a.k.a. Chris Pratt. Uh, <laughs> thanks for being with us on Pastoring on Purpose. We look forward to seeing you next time.